Sid and I were just talking, we were just having casual conversation. And so this didn't happen before the comp. He told me something that you guys learn all your formations two days before the comp. I want to ask, is that rumor true? Um, I would say that rumors a yes and a no. Like, actually, yeah, it's two days. But it might even be less because there's less time in the day when we start. Yeah. 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 On today's episode of the Pongara Podcast, we're doing a team profile on Dunia de Rang. We're sitting down with team captains Angela, Ashley, and Rebecca. Stay tuned. So yeah, I'm with the uh, <laughs> captains and future captains of DDR, Angela, Ashley, and Rebecca. Uh, thank you all for being with here with us, and I uh, really appreciate you guys being on the podcast. Cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> So, um, Angela, I know you've had a podcast kind of done, I believe, I forgot what episode it was. Uh, Umer, when he does the post, will post it in the SoundCloud link. Um, but Ashley and Rebecca, I don't know if you guys have had podcasts done uh, on your Pungada background. So could you guys give a brief introduction, kind of like your history, your background in Pungada? Yeah. Um, so this is Ashley. Uh, I started Pungada back in like 2013 when I started college um, with Alamo City Pungada. Um, pretty much learned everything there, got really invested there, um, had no idea what Bungaro is when I first started, but you know, grows on you, stick with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got invited to join DDR in 2016, I believe, um, back when it was first, you know, forming. Um, and in 2018, I became co-captains with Angela and since then just been totally focused on DDR. It's been so much fun. So that's where I am now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Rebecca? Yeah, and uh, actually, I, I realize now it sounds a little similar to Ashley. I also started dancing when I started college uh, in 2013. I went to um, University of Rochester, so I danced with Rochester Bhangra. Shout out to my home team. Um, and yeah, so I danced there, also joined DDR in 2016 um, for Big Ten, which was a wild time. Uh, then since then, I since leaving Rochester, I've mostly been DDR-focused. Um, I also dance with NEBC. I'm in Boston now, so um, I've been looking for local teams and local dance opportunities because the remote life can be tough. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's basically me. That's awesome. That's that's really cool. Um, so honestly, this whole idea of DDR, um, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. Okay, like I don't think any fusion dance circuit has anything like this. Definitely, the Ross dance circuit doesn't have anything like this, and. It's a very, I, I, it's a very interesting. Con- it was like a very interesting concept when I, I know I heard about this idea like back in 2013, 14. Um, so what really like made you want to take that step and that leap to start a team of non-desi? Well, kind of started with non-desi dancers, but it's expanded so much more. But what was that, that inspiration to take that first leap and dance at Big Ten and um, bring this idea to know, life? Sab, it started with the BTF chat box. <laughs> A very glamorous start. <laughs> really? The, oh, the, okay, so for those of you who don't know, there used to be a chat box on BTF, a real-time chat that everyone could just like say whatever they wanted to in there. Um, you know, trolls loved it, but a lot of interesting conversations happened in there. So that's oh, so yeah. it started all in there in that BTF um, chat box. It was both Howie and Jordan Wong from Old JJ, and they were just kind of screwing around, and they were 
joking and saying, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we got all the non-Desi Bhangra dancers and made a team and competed together? And then from there, they actually got kind of serious about it. And I remember at Boston Bhangra that year, uh, 2016, they started asking dancers there, including me and Ashley and Rebecca, to start joining the team. So that's how it all got started. But so it all started like so all started from BTS chat. Then Boston 2016, the conversation happened, and then Big Ten hit, right? And um, that was a big comp. I mean, if you if for people who are just starting in the Bangladesh circuit, if you actually look at that competition, you had SPD, Fodge, FCB, DDR, Buckeye Pangra. That was huge. That was a huge, like, huge competition. Um, now, the thing is, I this is a really, like, when we ever have ideas, like, risky ideas like this, like DDR, what often happens is you face backlash in the circuit. You know, you kind of get your haters. You get those people who doubt you, who don't think what you're doing is pushing the circuit in any way. So, kind of, like, when you started it up, was there any backlash that you faced from anybody did you hear anything and the reason i want to bring this up is because we end up becoming risk adverse in the circuit when we face backlash and i kind of want to hear from your experiences how do you like mitigate those those that backlash and you know just silence it if you did face it um i haven't heard too much backlash i know it exists you know um i've had a friend kind of say like you know it was cool the idea the first comp but you know like doing more than just a gag performance is kind of like too much um and it kind of makes me uncomfortable so we've heard things like that on my end in the very beginning um when in the early days when ddr was still recruiting its first roster i remember there was someone who uh, declined the offer because they thought that the team was being exclusive. Um, and by definition, yes, at the time, um, we were a team of exclusively non-Daisy dancers. Um, I do think that the purpose of that kind of got lost with this particular person. And I can totally understand if this person didn't need that purpose in their life. Um, but for us at the time... We were so used to, so many of us were used to being like the token non-brown person on their respective team and to come to a place where you felt safe and you felt safe to ask a lot of dumb questions or just like be yourself and kind of share like what it's been like for you. Because as you probably noticed, we all have very similar stories as to how we got into Bhangra. Um that kind of safe space story, I think, was lost with some people. Um, but yeah, I think that DDR has evolved appropriately with the times. Like now we're a non-exclusive team. We're actually an all-inclusive team. Um, so we've definitely, I think, responded to some of the backlash we've gotten and evolved with the times. One way I think that it's really cool that you responded to the backlash was you went out and you danced and you you kicked ass like um uh you went and i'm from personal experience buckeye mela 2018 um you beat you beat for the <laughs> i was there danced <laughs> uh you came out to bruin you put on an amazing performance which i do want to talk about 
Um, because I think that performance, just because SPD was there, a lot of those performance that were performances that were there kind of got shadowed by that or get went into the shadows because of that or didn't get the light of day that I think they should from people within the Pangara circuit. And you really like came out and you just showed people in the circuit that we can do Pangara. Like we are, this is not just some gimmick or a, a, a gag performance, I think actually you called it. Like it's not anything like that. It's more than just that. It's a proper Pangara team and we are going to dance like a proper Pangara team. And I think that's really awesome and amazing that you were all able to do that. Um, but you came from, and this is just from me, and you can, you know, tell me, Saab, you know what you're talking about. Big 10 happened. That was a good performance, opening performance. But from Big 10 to Buckeye Mela 2018, um, Big 10 was 2017, Buckeye Mela 2018. I don't believe you had any competitions in between. Did you? In between those two? No, right? You guys went from, okay, we're we're competing, we're, we're going to do this idea to winning a competition and winning a prestigious competition like Buckeye Mela. What would you say was like a critical, was there any critical points between that time, between 2017 and 2018 that made that shift, um, that made that shift like from Big Ten to Buckeye Mela? Um, so I will kind of skip the process for a moment and go to the very end. I will... I remember distinctly after we won um, Mela 2018 on the bus ride back from the competition. It was just me and Nathan because both of us went to judges meeting and we just stood there in the bus clutching onto this trophy and we looked at each other and we were like, what does this mean? Because we never went to the competition with the intent of winning. (laughs) That was never... Like, we were a team of people that never got to see each other, never got to practice with each other. We, we, we didn't give a flying thought as to winning even being a possibility, and we were just shocked. So I'll say, like, the process in between, honestly, was just, like, we had so much fun at Big Ten. Like, let's do this again because we all love being around each other. But this time, let's look less of a shit show was probably the process. <laughs> <laughs> let's be a little bit more organized with it. And it, you guys came out with the result. Um, I, I can kind of just meeting and talking with you guys. I can feel the team chemistry, honestly. Like, I, like whenever I see DDR, I can feel the chemistry of your team. And you resonate whenever you're around at a comp. Um, and Angela, you kind of talked about this, like you barely see each other, right? So I, I heard, like, I, I want actually, I kind of like heard and I heard a little crazy rumor. So after NDC happened, I think like two, three days after NDC happened, Sid and I were just talking, we were just having a casual conversation. And so this didn't happen before the comp. He told me something that you guys learn all your formations two days before the comp. I want to ask, is that rumor true? Um, I would say that rumors a yes and a no like actually yeah it's two days but it might even be less because there's less time the day when we start um so you know Mm -hmm. we all arrive on thursday uh get there start practice maybe 12 maybe one maybe two because some people are still arriving um and so we kind of just cut it into two parts learn the first half on thursday second half on friday and we don't really have a lot of time to cover what we've already learned those previous two days so it's just total like focus like minimal chatter even though we're so excited to be around each other so it's just complete grinding we maybe get two run-throughs in before we actually perform 
And one of those run throughs is like on stage at tech time. So it's, it's pretty nerve wracking. Um, but we, we make it happen somehow. So yeah, those two <laughs> days are real. It's true. So for some teams, the whole idea behind why it's so crazy is because I think about just my experience being locally and being on a team locally. It takes us so much time just to teach a bunch of formations. Like we will spend a month teaching formations to our sets. Um, I think that's like kind of like an amazing. That's an amazing thing that teams should look up to. That something that you do and you're competing with these people, they can do within two days. So other than the formations part. What is something else that's really tough about being a remote team? Because we all know with this COVID situation, this is actually kind of what we maybe want to first have in this conversation. With you know, this is recorded what May eleventh, so we're in the middle of the coronavirus situation. What's another tough part about being a remote team that you may not think that other people may know about? Um, for me personally, oh, <laughs> for me personally, it's just like practicing by yourself. Um, it's 1000% more fun to practice with someone. And like, I feel like team building happens typically like when at practice, like with your local teams. So like, I feel like it's a lot of more work by yourself and then for that weekend payoff together. So yeah, that'd be for me. How about you, Rebecca? Um, yeah, definitely the same, especially like trying to build stamina when you're practicing by yourself. It's so hard and it's so tempting to just like give up all the time you know there's no one you can look at to like keep you going it's like just you looking at yourself in the mirror if you're lucky enough to have a mirror it's really hard um that's definitely the, the thing that i came to like really value the most about having a local team and just like having any kind of like you know people to dance with in the same place that you are is like such a wonderful thing really like we shouldn't take it for granted that you have all that like you have this. Yeah, I don't think like anyone's taking it for granted anymore. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not the situation. Um, was there any time like when you were doing all this, when you were prepping for all these different comps, was there a moment that was just super frustrating for you being remote team? Like you're watching like Angela, you're watching videos and you're seeing that people are just not getting the cleaning down. Um, how do you encounter? Because I'm telling you, like the world is changing and people, we're going to be switching to this remote model for not just about practices but i think for dance classes in general and for a lot of things are going to change how did you like overcome a situation like that like something that you just couldn't manage with uh like something that you could easily maybe fix in person but just because you're remote it wasn't fixable and you couldn't like you couldn't just get there and just be in person with that person to fix that issue honestly that is something i have come to terms with very slowly over time with ddr um Say, for example, I want to make a change to the choreo. Let's say I want to cut two counts of choreo somewhere. Normally, if this was at dance practice, I'd say it one one time, takes five seconds, and then I don't have to say it again. If I'm running things remotely, I have to post it. I have to make sure everyone's seen it because guaranteed, almost never will 100% of the team actually see it. So you have to make sure people see it. Then you have to wait a week and see their run-throughs and see if they, if the change was actually implemented in every single video. So what should take five seconds can sometimes take a week. <laughs> um, so I think that part was really difficult for me in the beginning. But I think there's there's also like a lot of pros to working remotely, right? Like 
I can set my own practice times. I can work on set design on my own time. Um, so there's a lot of give and take, I think, with this. Yeah, that's it's uh, something that we're all starting to get to understand just because of the coronavirus stuff. But uh, it's interesting to see that you've been doing it for like, what, three years now since 2017. So it's so you guys have all. I wouldn't say perfected it, but you're nearly perfected it, if anything. Like, <laughs> definitely, definitely you're killing it on that side. And we were talking about this earlier with Bruin. Okay, so, like, you've had, like, what, five or six performances, I think, um, since 2017. Or, I don't know, I'm just trying to count off the top of my head. So, Bruin, to me, was, I was there in person to watch that performance. And, to me, um, you had a theme throughout your set, which I thought was awesome. Um, which is, I think, is a relationship that in the circuit. It's talking about the theme of that set. And anybody who's never seen DDR's Bruin 2018 performance, the theme of that set is the relationship between a teacher and a student, which is actually a very critical part of Bhangra, um, between the stad and the student. And what I loved about it is that I could feel the emotion and energy from that performance. I could feel the emotion and the time that was put into each segment. It's a critical thing that a lot of new people to set design don't necessarily comprehend or understand at the moment. And I, I kind of want to get your idea of like where, did, uh, what inspired you to come up with something like this, and like, what was your favorite part about that whole experience of Bruin? Because you had, if anybody's, who have, people who haven't seen the video, there were thirty-two people on stage at that time. That's pretty crazy. I don't think anyone's ever done that before. Um, so, what, what kind of, what inspired this idea of doing this theme, and what inspired that Bruin twenty eighteen performance, and what was your favorite part? I, I guess I should answer this, but I'm sorry, you two, that I'm talking so much um i actually for the purposes of this fun talk i pulled up the old set design doc from that competition and i was just kind of i i had kind of forgotten about a lot of the details but reading it over again i was kind of emotional reading it um i remember so i wrote i was brainstorming about our current impact at the time that um, DDR had on the circuit. And I broke it down into two different veins. Um, one of them was what I called like the, the non-Daisy impact. So I thought about like all the non-Daisy dancers who were inspired by our, our performances, who had a safe place to grow and make new friends. And then I also thought about the Daisy supporters vein, um, the people who were our mentors, who are our friends, who it's really because of them that we're, we are where we are today. So at the time, I was thinking, if this was our very last performance, like, what would I want to do? I would want to try and connect these two veins together. So it came to be that in order to connect them, like, I want to dance with the people that I care about on stage. So that's kind of how this whole mentor-mentee theme came about and through brainstorming with my former mentor uh harji from drp how we came to the idea of doing a 32 man set <laughs> yeah so we have a we have a doc going for for every podcast we make like a doc of like what we want to talk about and we all share and we look at it so on the doc i had said um the logistics of 32 dancers getting all the vodka for them and everybody this was angela's comment on that this was a gd uh, which is umar will blur this out goddamn nightmare and now i am triggered <laughs> so <laughs> um 
that that's like the, I kind of want to talk about like even the logistics behind it because that was crazy. I'm gonna tell you something kind of funny story. I was there witnessing 32 bugs getting or was it 32 or like 16 or something? But so, the bugs had to be double starched because they were like older like, style. It was crazy. Okay? I was, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually helped starch a couple of those bugs <laughs> and I was hanging out with Harji for, for a while. Uh, Simi, who's on SDS, was also helping out there. Harji, great guy. Awesome. I was like, so glad that like, doing something like that, like I never thought I'd actually be able to meet someone new. So it was awesome to meet someone new. But um, what was the logistics behind that? You had to get 32 people. How, how did you get convinced all those people to be there? Uh, yeah, so I can jump in on this one. Actually, Bruin is the competition where I volunteered to be team manager because for Mela, Angela did literally everything by herself. And I was just kind of watching it. It was like, this is like really crazy that she like is making the set and leading practice and also like booked hotels. Like that's too much. So I that was when I um, I stepped in to try to help relieve some of that burden. And yes, getting 32 people around LA is like absolutely a nightmare. <laughs> um, but one thing that was really great is the mentors were super, super helpful, like could see how fried we all were from learning our formations in two days and, you know, just the whole chaos of it. So people stepped up a lot. Like I did not have to spare a thought thinking about who was double starching these pugs. Like Harju stepped up and did that. Nana made like five Starbucks runs a day. Like everyone was really like pulling together to like make it happen, which is really awesome for sure. So, I mean, that's really how it works in general with DDR is just everyone knows what it takes, knows what has to get done and no one wants to see it not come together, you know? So just make it happen. It's awesome to hear. It's really awesome. Um, what was your favorite moment from that Bruin set? I want to hear it. Uh, my favorite moment is at after the set. Um, so my friend, who was my my person who I brought, uh, Nana, actually, I had never danced with her on stage before, um, but we were in middle school jazz band together and had like been, like I was captain of Rochester and then she'd been captain of Columbia. So like, I complained to her about things for a year and she complained to me for a year. So we were like friends, <laughs> um, but this is our first time sharing stage together. And so after the set is over, we, we hug once in the set and then we hug again at the end of the set. It's a really good hug and I like watching it in the video. So that's my favorite moment. My favorite moment, I think my favorite moment was actually the whole experience because with DDR, you're kind of in your head the whole time trying to remember your formations. And I think for Bruin was the only time that I was completely like not thinking about formations. I was just dancing. And I remember getting off stage and just feeling like overwhelmed, like just so happy and yitty. Like I was like yelling and like hugging people. It was just like an overwhelming happiness. Like I know how crazy it was that we learned that whole set with 32 people in that weekend. And I knew we did like an incredible feat together. And I was just so happy and proud. Like nothing could have killed my vibe at that time. Oh, um, these two stole my two favorites. <laughs> um, um, I guess something different. Um, dancing that segment to the piano music was a really powerful memory for me. That particular segment, I felt exactly what Ashley just said about feeling absolutely free, feeling like I'm 100% expressing myself and being 100% like true to myself in the moment. That was like... Moments like that come so rare in a dance career, and to even experience that once is such a privilege, I think. 
that piano segment was really interesting mix wise um no team's ever like put something like that where they're dancing to piano and then and then integrating it and then integrating Pangara into it. I want to talk more about that piece and that's part that segment. Like where did the inspiration for that come from? From integrating that piano piece into your set? Um so it, it's kind of personal for me. Um that particular piece is called Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Um he's uh the composer is a guy, uh Ryoichi Sakamoto from Japan, who's a pianist there. Um so when I was in high school my best friend at the time, um, we had played that piece together, him on piano, me on violin. Um, and so it was like very special to me because he later passed away. Um, so that particular piece for me was the, um, that particular piece of music was the first piece of music I chose when I made my first like big choreographic project, which was back in college. So it's like very special to me. Like I only take that out when I want to do something very special. Um, so getting to share that with DDR, knowing what it meant to me, being able to pass the spirit of that song to people I love was very, 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 very moving for me. Um, having this conversation, honestly, I. I kind of knew that a little bit, and I'm going to be honest. I asked that question to Angela because I didn't want the, the listeners to hear. Um, I knew that. And every time I listen to that that segment, that portion in DDR's mix from Bruin, I can feel that emotion through what was mixed. And I, I kind of wanted to actually bring that up as kind of just like, if you have a passion for something, you can find, you can integrate, you can think about it so much, and then you can integrate your life into it and like your life experiences into it. And um I love to hear that type of stuff. And I love to actually have a podcast where we can talk about that openly and people can hear you say that, that, you know, that part, okay, that part of the mix was a very emotional part or that part of the performance is very emotional to me for these reasons. And, um, I, thanks for sharing all that. I know I kind of, I kind of knew that and I, but I wanted to ask you just because I want, I want the listeners to understand that. Um, I know you posted it on BTF a while ago when the performance was first posted, but it's awesome to hear, hear about that piece. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, it's kind of, I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit here from more, okay, talking about DDR and the process and talking more about your experiences. So Umar and I did a mailbag podcast where someone asked us what was like the most critical part of team chemistry? What is something that you need to understand to have good team chemistry? We were asked that question, or what is the thing that takes your team from just being a low tier team? So a team that's like a beginner that goes to smaller comps to these bigger comps. And I want to get your guys' take. Uh, I want to get different views, views and like different voices on that take of what does great team chemistry look like? Because I think you're a team that really shows that and expresses that. Um, I would say, you know, first of all, we all understand the value of what we have on DDR. Like, none of us take it for granted. Just the fact that we even all know each other. Like, in any other, if anything went wrong or differently in our lives, we would have never even come across each other or like the stance. So we, we firstly value that. And then we really value what we've created here together. We all have a great respect for each other. And I think the most important part about um, team chemistry is just that we're all, we all have the same goal and same vision. We're all a part of the collaborative process. So like, I think all of us being involved really is the main focus of how we're able to get along how we are. Um, 
and more than that, you know, we, we aren't, um, we don't have any, how do you say, uh, like auditions are, you know, we don't have seasonal auditions or anything. We always um, recruit people and we don't recruit, you know, like the best dancers in the circuit or who's most well-known. We recruit based on like passion and like who really catches our eyes. Like they have a deep love and understanding and we feel like they're really going to support our other members and help them grow and just create like a very like loving environment. I know some people say we're too soft or whatever, but it's really important for us to have that kind of like value that's known on our team that we we take care of each other. And I think also there's a lot to be said for leading by example. And definitely from the beginning, Angela has always been more of a warm and fuzzy type of captain than a uh, yelling and angry type captain. Um, which I think so that really means Ashley's the yelling type? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no one has been the yelling type. <laughs> okay, so you're going to be the yelling type. You're going to be the you're going to be the bad cop, right? We'll see. <laughs> when you um, no, but I think like having that tone to practice really like I don't know says something. Like having danced on other teams, experienced other types of leadership, like it's become something that I like really respect and admire. I think it's. A lot harder to um, get things done that way if you don't have a team full of people who are all super focused and committed. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of why we've um, we're all so soft and fluffy. <laughs> so the soft and lovely captain Angela, what's your take on this whole chemistry thing? What's what do you see? Um, what do you see is going to be like? What's what's it take to foster that ideal team chemistry environment? Because you've been on, you've been on DRP, you've been on DDR. Yeah, honest. Are there any other ones that I missed out? I don't know if I missed any other ones. <laughs> L- but. Listeners can't see how much I'm shrugging my shoulders right now. <laughs> um, I, I remember the first year I was captaining, which was the 2017-2018 season. Um, I, or the first year captaining by myself. Um, just every single time we were dancing together or I was like on a team call with everyone just continuously amazed by how forgiving people were for me because I made a lot of mistakes as a first year captain. Um, I think I was so incredibly fortunate to be on a team of very innately mature, wonderful people who were able to give me many, many second chances and like really work through my own mistakes and like become better for the team. I think like that's an important piece of team chemistry. Like don't don't like immediately like mark someone as the bad guy. Like try and be empathetic with someone and try and understand where they're coming from cuz like you're going to get so much bang for your buck in the long term with people that way. It's kind of cool to have this this like mature conversation with people about about teams um and hearing that about empathy, um, see, it go. It honestly goes a long way. Like I can't, I can't stress that enough. With I've been, and you probably talked to other people in the circuit. You even talked to anyone for delay. I'm like the captain who yells at everybody, even though I may not seem like it. Um, I feel, like, I feel like I come off as a nice person. I know, I know, <laughs> but I'm like the guy who yells at everybody. That always doesn't always work, and it's it's actually nice to hear that um, empathy part. Um, so when you okay, so it's. When you first started DDR, this is going back to like when you first first started. What was one thing that you wish you knew 
before you started. There's one, because I'm telling you, whenever, like, I think back to when I first started dancing, I was like, dude, I wish I knew this. I wish I knew that. I wish I knew whatever. And there's so many, and Bhangra is becoming, like, so popular, right? You can see, like, how many Instagram pages are about Bhangra. We have online competitions. We have all this stuff going on. Um, what is one thing that you wish you knew before you started the team? Anybody can go. I can go first. Okay. So the one thing I wish I knew before DDR was that they were going to come to Buckeye Mela and try to beat us. Okay. So like, we're a very polite team. But honestly, like, yeah, anything. Yeah, you guys are. You're like waiting. Usually Umar interrupts me whenever we're doing podcasts. Um, I feel like I've said a lot of serious stuff. So I'll say something lighter. This is very practical, but Airbnbs are far superior to hotels for us. Airbnbs all of the way. Um, as long as they have more than one shower. Yes. 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 There was this one yes. time where we were, near and we, were we were in an Airbnb we with like, Airbnb. was it one shower or two showers? One shower. For two showers. People? One, shower. one shower. One bathroom. And how many 16. people? Right. 16 people, one shower? I'll be honest, if that was an all guys team, that would be the most disgusting shower ever. Actually, if it was any, like, I can't even imagine. Like, I can't even stay in a room with four people and not get grossed out. <laughs> 16 people, one bathroom? That's disgusting. It was yeah. really cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a girl, so. <laughs> um, I think, honestly, uh, for my, like, one thing I wish I knew before I joined, like, Big Ten days, I feel like I was still kind of a baby. I, like, didn't really know how to do legs correctly or how to, like, do anything. So mostly I'm grateful that I joined this team and I got to dance with, you know, all these people with different styles and learn so much from them. But um, I feel like when you're on a collegiate team and you're just learning from other people who are only ever on that collegiate team, it's hard to kind of, like, expand, um, which I feel like is changing a lot in the last couple of years. So that's been really good. But. Yeah, I just wish I knew how to dance better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I honestly, Rebecca, I had a very similar experience too. I, I kind of like didn't really had kind of got taught, but then when I got onto Fertile, then I actually started learning proper Pungado. Not saying that I didn't want to dance before that, you know, but it was uh, that change, you know, learning from different people. It makes a different, it big, makes a big impact. So, you guys at NDC, uh, I judged you guys at that competition. And you did amazingly. You guys got second. Um, did really well there. It was, I mean, honestly, from a judging perspective, I even talked about the scores in another podcast, I think in the judging podcast. It was very neck and neck um, between first day and DDR. Um, you guys will all see that when the video comes out. Um, it was very neck and neck. I think it was like a matter of a deliberation um, on, in terms of uh, the placings. So you went, you've proven yourselves. What's the next big step for DDR? What's the next thing? what is like the crazy vision of this organization like you know you guys have done so much you've created an environment but is there something like for us for example on Fertile, like our big thing next is we want to go live like that's our their next thing obviously we want to do things like win championships at Pangara, things like that we want to go to bruin again we haven't placed there so we want to win there um but the big thing for us is going live is there any like ideas of stuff like that that you guys want to do like something that's just been like a dream that you could do and then maybe somehow the circuit could help you achieve that dream ddr go fund me um <laughs> i'll say like it's kind of early for us um in terms of having discussed like an actual reach goal right now i think something that 
I'm really proud of us for doing over the last year, um, especially with the help of Ashley and Rebecca, um, is I think DDR now more than ever is really a reflection of what it's like to dance in North America. Like we're not trying to be an Indian folk team. We're not trying to be something we're not. Like what we try to represent now is all the kinds of people who, you know, grow up around us. Like we have all kinds of people in our team, different races, different religions, different sexual orientations. Like that's the real representation, I think, of an immigrant, um, excuse me, like um, a second generation kid, you know what I mean? Like, I think that this like representation that we bring to the circuit is only going to keep us going for longer and longer. Like, it's going to keep us from looking to other teams abroad for what we should be doing. We're going to do our own thing. So that's the that's the one promise that I could give for people out there. I love it. Honestly, <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like awesome to hear that, you know, you're supposed you're going to do your own thing. You know, you're going to dance with your own style or bring your own culture to those competitions and bring something unique. I mean, I love to hear that. That's really awesome to hear. Um, I did want to talk about one thing, Rebecca. Okay, so I saw your Insta that you went to India at Bangladesh and you ran a workshop at, for Bangladesh Arena, right? I, I did do that. Yeah, when you were saying going abroad, technically I did go abroad. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really wild. And uh, give those guys a follow, Bangladesh Arena. They're super nice and welcoming. Um, but yeah, I was going. My boyfriend is um, he's from India. His family's all there. Um, so we were doing a trip and I figured if I'm going to go, I should try and hustle some kind of dance thing for myself. And I was actually looking for because um, I saw they posted some things that they ran workshops, but like looking at their page and their website, I couldn't see anything like for the dates I was there. So I just messaged them and I was like, oh, do you have any like workshops or anything happening like on these dates? I'm in town, I dance with DDR, you know, just like give them my little plug. Uh, and they said, oh yeah, we'd love to have you run a workshop. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess I could do that if that's what you want. Um, and it was really, it was really great. Um, they were super nice, everyone was really excited. Um, they made me a flyer. I was trying to be really on the DL about it, but then uh, Kyrie saw it and shared it and then everyone saw it and then I was exposed. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was really, crazy experience for sure I mean, that's really awesome i mean i wish i could run a, a workshop in india um no if you go reach out to those guys they're super yeah. friendly <laughs> yeah that's awesome were you able to actually stick around for Bangladesh arena and watch it unfortunately no the dates didn't line up there mm, okay you know that's maybe a competition you guys should think about competing at they have a music section didn't they invite us ashley Yes, they did, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know how. I'm on, if you could figure out Bruin with 32 people, you could figure out a trip to India with 16 Plus people, right? Plus jet lag, though. There's there's just so many things. I just you just have to. It's really simple. All you have to do. Let's think about it, okay? All you got to do is you just got to get a hotel, a practice spot for like a week, figure out um, all the logistics. Um, I don't know how well you're good your Hindi or Punjabi is. Well, that could get worked out. Um, you know, DDR in, in India would be pretty awesome. That'd be like amazing to see that. If see America team like actually go and do a music set over there. Just uh, giving you some ideas. <laughs> Maybe what to do next. As long as you're paying for the plane tickets. So. 
<laughs> yeah, I got you covered. I'll use my judging stipends. Oh, oh shit. We'll be waiting for a really, really long time. Really long time. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Oh, man. Um, I, I did want to, I know this is, this was in our doc, but um, I did want to talk about your, some of your opinions on the circuit, if that was okay. Maybe then Umer can um, put it into the podcast. We're at about 50 minutes, but some of these things are probably going to get, uh, some of these things are going to be kind of um, shortened with like, pauses in there. Parts are going to get cut. So I kind of want to get your opinion. You know, you guys said that you're not competitive. Actually, sure, I believe. I don't. I don't know if I believe that or not. But um, I want to know. I want to get your thoughts on the state of Pangada judging in the circuit at the moment. I know that some of you are active judges. You go and judge competitions. Sometimes Bollywood fusion competitions as well. What's your opinion on the active state of Pangada judging? Like, what, what would you want to see? What's good about it? What's bad about it? I want to pick your brains a little bit about that. Okay. Um... So I have a lot of thoughts about this, and I I wrote some of my thoughts down on the DDN Facebook page, but I'm not sure who saw it. Um, <laughs> Umar says, okay, rant. Um, so I, I don't want to call specific people out, but I will just say that so many times I've walked into competitions and been on panels where the day of the competition these judges like don't know what they're doing. And I know that sounds like a really, that sounds like a really inflammatory thing to say, but I mean that literally, like some judges will not have a way to score. Like they don't know how to score. Like they will like just kind of wing it for lack of a better word. Um, and that's just completely unacceptable. Like, first of all, it should be a privilege that you even were offered this position. But to not have a way of systematically doing the same system for every single team that you come across, you are doing teams such a disservice. You are getting paid to be there. You are literally deciding the fate of thousands of hours of people's time. Like, at least have the decency to practice beforehand, you know? That's what I have to say. And I love that, at least during quarantine, it seems like people are more motivated to talk about these things and reach out to people for advice. And I'd say just keep doing that because, like, that that can't keep happening, honestly. You said that there's, like, times when you walk in and people don't know what they're doing. Right. Um, and that kind of translates and that can show in a judges meeting, too, when a team comes in and they don't know exactly like the judges aren't able to articulate what they're trying to what their opinion is or what their feedback is or how they scored that team and why they fell into that relative placing. So I know, Angela, like I don't know if you offered that you would give advice to people and I don't, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I feel like you're a great resource to reach out to um, for like judging advice and um and also, on top of that, people in the circuit, like competition organizers, should be aware of the individuals who are out there. And I don't know if this means anything, but I'm definitely recommending you as a judge. Like you, I have, from what I've heard, like you definitely give positive and you've been able to actually judge properly, score properly. You understand. And the biggest part is that you understand the... Um, the complex, not the complexity of it, but the importance of it, that it's not just about the clout and the privilege, or, or it's not just about the clout of like, oh, look at me that I'm a judge, I, I got picked for this. The job's not done there. 
it's actually a privilege that you got picked and you're being tasked with responsibility. But I do want to hear kind of Ashley, I know you like unmuted your mic for a little bit and then you muted again. If you had any thoughts on this. I mean, Angela did a pretty full encompassing, but um, for me, like, you know, of course I appreciate when um, it's always the best circumstances when you have like great judges who give you like amazing feedback um, and useful feedback, which is kind of rare actually. Um, a lot of times you go into like judges meetings and like, oh yeah, you did everything great, everything great, but then you still didn't place, so it's just not helpful. Um, so, you know, I appreciate when we have good judges when we get good feedback, but at the end of the day, for me, it's it's always like, okay, these are these four people's opinions, and I can just hope that they are open-minded enough to like consider what we're doing, because we typically do things that are different. Um, it's not the typical first place set that a lot of people try to mimic. So, just if judges can keep open minds about new things, um, you know, not the standard. So, yeah, that's, I mean, it's actually good. I like to get all these different opinions and like points of view, even though sometimes they're similar. Um, it was kind of like one of the things that, you know, people said, provided some feedback, you know, after we did the mailbag podcast, a lot of like, a lot of people were like, get some different opinions on there and some different voices. And it's awesome to hear all that information. Um, so it's been about an hour. Um, it's been an awesome conversation that I had with all of you. And I think a lot of people are going to take this should really listen to a lot of the details that like Angela, Ashley, Rebecca gave about DDR. And you can learn a lot. I mean, I learned a lot from this conversation about team chemistry and the process of building a set and all of that. And I think that I want to thank all three of you for sitting down and providing that feedback and information. And Angela, I do promise I'm going to say this on the record in the podcast that this one will get posted. Okay, Angela's been, guys, Angela's been on like three podcasts or two podcasts that just never got posted. Okay, um, two podcasts that just never, ever got posted. <laughs> oh, sorry, three, three podcasts that have never got posted. So we're going to make sure that this one does get posted. Um, so I want to thank all three of you again for sitting down. Is there any closing thoughts or remarks that you had that you want to tell the listeners and the people in the Pongana circuit about DDR? Um, if I may be self-gratuitous and offer unsolicited advice to people, um, I tried something for my 2017-2018 year that I was captaining. Um, oh, excuse me. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the correct year. Um, the first year I was captaining, I tried something new for myself. Um, and I just stopped watching videos of other teams. Like, that entire year, I didn't watch any teams in North America, unless it was, like, my friend dancing. Um, and that was just so I would not get influenced by people, by trends. Um, and what I'm noticing, like, what I think our entire team notices um, is a lot of teams are looking very similar to each other or trying to imitate a certain kind of style. Maybe even your team style, Sob. Um, and... <laughs> Yep, <laughs> I see it. <laughs> I call it out too whenever I see it. <laughs> I definitely let people know. The imitation product is never as good, I think. Um, and I don't know. I just invite people to try like thinking very independently for themselves. I think having that quietness of your mind, just blocking out all those other um, disruptions is really helpful for me personally. Yeah, that honestly, that whole not watching video things not watching other teams when you're trying to create, go through the creative process and making sets huge. Um, I've, I've, I've employed it sometimes. Actually, I think this year I employed it um, more because I just don't want to watch anybody else. But 
<laughs> but uh, I, I deploy for two reasons. Number one, I don't watch teams I'm judging. And then the other part is everything that Angela just said, that that whole creative process, you want to make sure you have that distinct identity. And I love to hear that from another person that, you know, that's part of the process and creative process that you use. So um, Ashley, Rebecca, anything else you want to add? I'm Rebecca, I'm really excited to see what you can do as uh, as the captain of DDR. I'm really excited to see what happens. Thank you. I'm yeah. definitely, I got big shoes to uh, to fill, but should be good. One thing I was going to say that actually just kind of going off of what Angela said was that um, I remember um, for like other kinds of performance I used to do, we would like never watch other people before we performed. Like if we were at a competition, we'd like never watch before you went. Like for a marching band, I remember we would literally stand like facing the other way to like do stretches and warm ups and stuff, which is just totally not a thing on the bungo circuit at all. Um, and I like got yeah. used to it. I got over it. But I still feel like sometimes for performances where we just don't, you know, we're on early in the show or we're still getting dressed or we don't have time or whatever it is, like it's hard to give up the opportunity to watch these like amazing sets live. But also sometimes like you need to focus on doing your job. So kind of the same way with the creative process thing. That's really cool here, yeah. I, I mean, I've gotten nervous. Like, it depends on the team. Sometimes I don't want to watch teams that I know are better than us um, <laughs> just because I don't want to get, like, get like goosebumps. Uh, I remember I used to do that a lot when I was captain of MBT. I just never watched performances. Uh, I never did that before, but yeah. Ashley, do you have anything for the Bungada Circuit before we sign off here? I have nothing left. I This has been fun, though. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Thanks everybody for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Bungada Podcast. Uh chat with DDR captains, Dunya Derung, Angela, Ashley, and Rebecca. Thanks guys. Thanks.